Hi there. You are listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson. In this episode, Mark shares his insights on how you can position yourself for a successful 2019. Take a listen in. Over to you, Mark. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. What I try to do is take different topics, topics that are not only relevant and in the trenches, but also more thought-provoking. Today, I'm going to be talking about positioning yourself for 2019. This particular podcast series is actually supported by NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine, also produced by Surefire Local, a leading digital marketing organization. So as you think about the subject of positioning for 2019, this is something that, needless to say, every year we have a cycle. Every year we have a beginning, middle, and end of the year. Now, needless to say, for most of you listening to this podcast, you're listening to it at the end of 2018. So first and foremost, as you think about 2019, I would encourage try to isolate those three top priorities in the final leg of 2018. And I say specifically three because I think if you put laser focus on three top priorities, the likelihood that you'll not only successfully achieve those but also position yourself in a better place as you move into the new year is much greater. The last thing I think you want to do is be chasing kind of your tail as you move into 2019 and spinning all around. So by isolating these three top priorities, you may be able to do that. Now, some of those top priorities may be just setting up, getting enough lead flow, enough inquiries, enough potential clients. The second might be finishing out or closing out a couple of sales so at least you had the right level of backlog as you moved into 2019. Or it may be wrapped around production, maybe wrapping up projects so that you can have a very clear sense of not only the revenue outcomes but also a clear sense of a clear slate moving forward into the new year. So... The first thing I think I want to touch on uh, as I was reflecting on doing this particular podcast topic this morning is before we dive into kind of how to position yourself for 2019, I think it's important to think about some of those predictions that are out there. Needless to say, it's just like a sporting event. You know, who are you playing out there in 2019? Is it a uh, opponent who tends to be a passing type of uh, 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 team, like in football, or is it a running team? You know, I think the more that you can actually think about and reflect on 2019 and predicting. Now, in an earlier podcast, literally about a month or two ago, I gave you some 2019 remodeling predictions. And I'm just going to summarize those very quickly for you because I think. If you go back and listen to that podcast, and then it will force you to think and compare your predictions to my predictions. But again, it's very important that you don't go in with this notion that it's all 
clear sailing and all bright, sunny skies in 2019, which it may not be. The first prediction that I had, and I also wrote about this in Professional Remodeling Magazine, was that remodeling costs are going to continue to rise. Now, in an earlier podcast earlier in the year, I started to see this really become an issue, and we started to go back about 12 months with many of the leading remodelers, and we saw about a 15 to 25% increase literally in a 12-month period of time for the amount a client is paying for certain types of remodeling projects. So I don't see that continuing quite at that rate of 15 to 25%, but I do see that we probably are going to be more 8 to 14%. Now, why do I kind of share that? I share that because I think moving forward, you need to start to position yourself as a little bit more of a wealth manager as opposed to a bidder and an estimator. And as a wealth manager, you don't necessarily have control of these costs, and your clients need to understand that. The second prediction is home appreciation will begin to really flatten in, I think, many of the areas. I'm just seeing this happening as I travel around the country and certainly talk to many of the leading remodelers. Just home appreciation is not going up at the same degree as it did in the, the post-recession uh, post or the recovery period. It's starting to flatten a bit. And again, I bring this up for a simple reason, is one of the key drivers in remodeling for homeowners out there is, in fact, their home appreciating, not depreciating. And if you have a little bit of flattening going on, it may change slightly your way to communicate to the client in terms of how to move forward. Number three is that the level of transparency will become greater and greater. Now, remodelers always have debated kind of the importance of transparency versus, versus doing more fixed price type of approach and activity. Matter of fact, professional remodeler and certainly our, our friends Michael Anschel and others have really talked about this subject quite a lot. I encourage you to go back and research it if you're thinking about the subject. But the reality is I'm sitting back looking at it much more in terms of stars and planets. And I can tell you homeowners are going to want more, not less transparency. This is in large part because of, of the uh, Internet and the access to data information. I was at a home services conference at the Google campus in California about four weeks ago. And at this, they said one of the top, top priorities for businesses moving forward as they really position their websites is to have a lot more transparency. Transparency in terms of product and service, in terms of the process, but also in terms of the pricing and costs of projects. The fourth is I think we're going to start to see more and more online interactive kind of activities. Now, my 2018 projections, which I think for the most part have come true, however, some not as quickly as others, we're seeing more and more remodelers that are actually doing online sales uh, in, in this last year or two, much, much more. However, you know, I don't think for the, the mainstream of remodeling activity that's necessarily caught on is great. However, we're going to see more and more online activity. Now, 
In this online activity, it may be more on the front end in terms of how you communicate with the client in terms of lead generation. It also may start to be more in your sales, but it also could be in production and could be in your selection processes as well. So I think the more that you actually move your acumen up a notch, I think on this level, it will certainly help you. Number five is that uh, Amazon and Google and the others kind of big mysterious players out there are going to have a bigger and bigger impact in terms of home remodeling and home services. They not only have substantial divisions of the company, but they're going to have more of an impact. And I think the more that you try to look at and get your head around, this is not necessarily a competitor. This is, in fact, potentially an ally that you can try to figure out a way to crack the code and, in fact, have a better client experience. Number six is social media. Now, social media, I think, for many remodelers has been kind of thought of as a marketing tool, marketing kind of way to connect to clients, to connect to processes. However, you know, I think social media is going to start to expand itself much, much more. It obviously has become kind of second second place or, or just a day-to-day activity for many of uh, our our homeowners, our clients, but also it's it's kind of a common way that we communicate. Certainly in the millennial generations as well. So as you think about social media, I think what you need to start to do is expand how you think about it and how you use it. It's much much more than just a marketing tool. It's also a sales tool. How do you really leverage that in terms of sales? It's also a way to certainly build your brand and and the effectiveness in terms of strategic alliances out there. It's also a way, I think, to really communicate on a production level and a production team level. I think what's going to happen moving forward is everyone's going to be deputized and social media is going to be a big part of that. Number seven is labor. Labor will become more and more of a crisis moving forward. There's going to be a few companies, not a lot, but a few companies that are going to become more magnets for the talent. And then there's going to be the majority of companies that are just going to be breathing out of a straw, complaining about the labor. So I think the more that you win through innovation, you win through culture, you win through approaching, I think, the whole dynamic differently than you did in the past, the more successful you're going to be. Number eight is this whole notion of online reviews versus personal referrals. Now, recently at a conference that Google did a presentation on, they talked about homeowners today put more value, more value on online reviews than they do personal referrals. Now, needless to say, personal referrals will always have an importance. They'll always have a very high close rate. However, if you really think about this subject, it's really important that you make a priority, not just making sure that you're creating delighted clients, but you're also at the same time, you are having them communicate, connect, and do actually online reviews. Number nine and certainly not the last, I encourage you to write your own predictions, is we're going to continue to see projects shift more and more. Some areas of the country, you have some of the better remodeling firms that used to do a lot of major renovations, a lot of additions to the homes, a lot of exterior remodeling, are actually doing much, much more in the way of interior bathrooms and kitchens. 
you know, what we're going to do is we're going to find more technology and more aging in place and much more of a very targeted focus of some of the client's needs that are out there. So we're going to start to see a project shift a little bit. I don't think this is going to be a 180-degree shift, but I think it's going to be just more like turning a dial, turning a dial 5, 10 degrees, 5, 10 degrees year after year. But there are many, many firms out there that used to be doing two-thirds of their business on building additions to homes that now only about 20% of their business is, is doing that. So we're going to continue to see a shift. Now, if in fact you start to see that and you go back and look historically that that is true for you, then you need to start to look at your people and your processes and your systems to really adapt to this kind of new way of thinking. So as you think about positioning, you've got to start with what are your predictions? What are those kind of stars and planets? Is it clear sailing? Is it going to be rough? I think for the most part, if you look at some of the Harvard data that's out there, we're expecting 2019 to be a good year. Maybe not quite as good as 2018 in terms of being as, as robust, but I think it's still expected to be overall a good growth year. And potentially, I would encourage at least try to focus more on the first half of the year in terms of really making hay, lining up projects, because I think if there is going to be softening, it's probably going to be in the second half of the year as we see interest rates creep up, as well as we have some certainly question marks in terms of what's happening out there. So let's move this conversation a little bit more about you about you as the owner, about you as the business in terms of how do you position for 2018. And I'm going to give you some insights. I'm going to hopefully give you some you know, ways to think about this. But again, I encourage if you're part of the association, Nary, you should get more engaged. If you want to get more engaged in reading some of the leading publications, certainly like Professional Remodeler, but also, you know, digital marketing is going to become more and more top of mind and important. And if you want to try to remove some of the mystery out of digital marketing, I would encourage you to reach out to my friends at Surefire Local. They'll actually help, I think, to help you understand and maybe guide you through a little bit more of the process of what, in fact, makes the most sense. Now, as a promotion, my friends at Surefire will actually give you a copy of one of my books, just purely just for having a conversation with them about some of the digital marketing kind of environment out there. I've written three books. I wrote a book on remodeling fitness, how fit is your business, which takes a client through a fitness checkup that includes looking at kind of the the cholesterol and blood pressure of the business. I also wrote a book on how, how to grow, how to scale the business. It's called Fit to Grow. And then my last book, which came out a little more than a year ago, is focused on time mastery. It's controlling your day rather than your day controlling you. Surefire has access to all of those books, or you can always go to Amazon or one of the other leading uh, book, book uh, online uh, groups to be able to order those as well. So moving forward, I think, as you think about positioning for 2019, the first thing I think you ought to be reflecting on is what is your motivation? What are you yearning for? And I don't just mean short term in 2019. I'm, I'm talking about on a broader sense. 
Now, having been involved in one organization for over 30 years, I always felt, as I was growing this business, that the fundamental motivation of the leader within the business was really the same with every good business out there. And what I've realized that while there's similarities, there really are differences. And what I've done is I've created seven motivations of businesses out there that I see. Now, none of us are just one of these motivations that I'm going to highlight for you. However, we're all a blend of those. And the more you can look in the mirror and know what your motivations are, the more likely you're going to be able to position and design what 2019 needs to look like for you. So let me just run through these seven motivations. And again, I encourage you to go back and look at some of the webinars and some of the different podcasts I've done on different topics, which I get into some of these in a lot more depth. So the seven motivations are, one is that you're just happy you have a job. Two is that you have an entrepreneur kind of bent to you. Three is the investment. Investment could be money, could be time. Four is that you have a business. And the business is what has a life of its own. It has a team, it has a product, it has a client, and that's really what you're trying to grow and grow the equity in. Number five is ego. We all have an ego, but I think there's a motivation that's really wrapped around ego. Number six is the cause. Now, many of us have a cause that's greater, greater than just the sticks and bricks, greater than just the business. The cause could be related to the community. The cause could be related to the environment. The cause could be related to a very specific kind of area of interest, including a cause that's kind of educating the public on aging in place and those kind of things. So a cause that's really bigger and greater than necessarily just you. And then the last motivation that I see that again, I talk about in a lot more detail in earlier podcasts, is really a whole focus of legacy. And I'm seeing this more and more that, you know, that next generation, how owners, especially successful owners, are positioning the business for the next generation. Legacy isn't just about blood. However, this happens to be a business. You have a lot of your own kind of family involved in the business, but legacy is about that next generation. Legacy is about the transfer and the transition and succession of the business itself. So as you think about all seven of these motivations, try to think of them like a pie chart. And if you go back and re-listen to this podcast, draw a little diagram for yourself and have a percentage for each one of these, because each one of these exists in every business. The difference, however, with many businesses is that it's not necessarily the same as others blend. It's sort of like an investment portfolio. Some people who tend to take more risk want a high percentage of stocks, for example. Some people that want to take very little risk have a very low percentage of stocks. When it comes to your motivations, I think that same kind of blend or those percentages really exist as well. So you should, first and foremost, if you're thinking about positioning for next year, you should kind of think about who you are and what you care about and what your motivations are, because that will help to give, I think, you some direction of, you know, am I heading to kind of the mountains or am, am I heading to the seashore? Am I looking to be a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more conservative? It's going to be 
come out as a result of being clear on your motivations. So moving forward, what I find is that there are three key ingredients for success in business. Now, if you think about these kind of like a little bit of a formula, it's like mixing together, let's say, the right blend for cookies or the right kind of mixture to create the right medicine, so to speak. These three ingredients, while they don't look exactly the same as each other, matter of fact, they look quite different, it really requires all three to be successful. And what's important as I outline what these are, that you really realize that you can have two out of three, but you still may fall short. All three need to be succeed, exist to get the highest level of success. So the three ingredients are you have to have the right mindset, you have to have a fundamentally fit business, and you've got to adjust and change. So let me just talk about each one of these just for a minute or two, because I think it'll help create the clarity. And this is a big part of what I focus on in some of, the, some of my writings and some of the columns with Professional Modeler. So the first one is you have to have the right mindset. You know, mindset has a lot of legs to it. Henry Ford said, if you think you can, you can't, or can't, you're right. You know, it all starts with having that right mindset. Mindset is about attitude. Mindset is also about work ethic. It's a little bit tricky out there today, so your work ethic has to be high. Mindset is also about realizing that we're in a team sport, not an individual sport. It's kind of like the difference between doubles tennis and singles tennis. It's different strategies. It's different mindset going into it. The second element is that you have to have a fundamentally fit business. You have to have not only the knowledge, but you have to have the acts sharpened in terms of operational fitness as well as having the numbers that you understand in terms of predicting the business, all those kind of things. But if you're not fit in business, and this is what I wrote, wrote about in How Fit Is Your Business, if you're not fit in business, then chances are, regardless what your attitude is or how much you're adjusting to the times, you're not going to be successful. So in my book, How Fit Are Your Business, I develop these 10 criteria. It's just like I said earlier, it's looking at the blood pressure, the cholesterol, looking at stress levels, temperature, all these different criteria. And then looking at these criteria really helps you to really evaluate. And once you've evaluated, about 30, 40% of my book is dedicated, what's the prescription of improving the particular items? Now, not to be too colorful, but a few years ago, I went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at my cholesterol levels. And the cholesterol levels weren't over the top, but they were getting to the high range. So he said to me, Mark, you have a choice. You can either focus on exercise and diet and try to get that down a bit, or we can give you medication, and that will certainly d deal with it. But when you come back in the next next physical you'll do a year, we're going to be looking at that and we're going to hopefully be expecting it to go down. And if it does go down, great. If it doesn't, then we're going to have to give you a prescription. I think when it comes to your business, it's very similar to that. You need to drill into the particular parts, not just the overall, but the particular parts to really know. And then the third element is change. You know, the way I think about change is what has changed over the years. You know, technology in the past was very optional and today it's it's an integral part of what you do. You know, in past, you know, there were a lot there were very few choices of remodeling products and different ways of doing things. Where today there's a proliferation of choices 
Harvard came up with a study a few years ago that said in a three-year period of time, more products have been developed for home improvement than the last 100 years. It's created a level of overwhelm. You know, we've also seen change in terms of how we're utilizing time. You know, in the past, you could get back to someone within a day, 24 hours. Today, if you don't get back to them within an hour, even if it's just a text or an email back to them, then they think you're not interested and they move on to the next possible uh, candidate. So the point is, you know, if you don't change, you're going to become irrelevant. And that's got to be an integral part. So just to summarize on these three things, you have to have the right mindset, you have to be in shape, and you have to adjust and change. Now, if you can get all three of those working in concert with each other, you're going to see a level of success that's much greater. So continuing the positioning for next year, 2019, what I always like to do is take inventory. Now, you're getting this podcast in December, so it's really, I think, a great time of the year to be thinking about mapping out, making some appointments to yourself to actually get out and take some inventory on 2018 and as well as make the right decisions moving forward. So usually when I start the inventory process myself, and I usually take three or four days literally to kind of hibernate to think about the following year, is I like to ask myself a bunch of questions. It's been said, if you don't know the answer, at least know the question. So those questions, for example, you know, what do I do, want to do more of in 2019? But the flip side is, what do I want to do less of in 2019? It's very important, I think, for you to be able to look at, you know, how can I squeak out some things to do less of? You know, what are my strengths, my weaknesses, my opportunities and threats? Now, we do this SWOT analysis for business, but why not do it for yourself? Uh, Is there a better way of doing certain things? You know, really reflecting and thinking about the processes and systems and how you go about either your own personal day-by-day things or even client-related things, um, it's important. Uh, Why did you fall short in 2018? Go back to those 2018 goals that you had and ask yourself, why did you fall short? What I usually like to do is when I've done a lot of this is to try to start to kind of create a thumbnail sketch of what those top priorities and top goals are. I usually like to limit it to three. What's interesting when you think about the paradox of choice that Barry Schwartz wrote, three is the magic number, three priorities, three goals, three action steps. If you start to have more than three, then it makes it very difficult to be successful. So what are those top three goals? What are those top top three priorities? Once you've done this, I think it's also important to start to use different kind of tools for yourself to help to visualize and be able to see it. You know, coming this remodeling industry in particular, it's a very visual, tactile kind of industry. So I usually encourage as I'm coaching people to really try to diagram out different things that they're doing when it comes to the, the, the new year. You also want to understand and know better your numbers. Now, there are numbers that certainly are relating to your business that you clearly want to know, especially the key ones on your dashboard, but you also want to know numbers about yourself. 
One of the numbers, if you're going to be positioned well for next year, is finding the right blend between your proactive activity and your reactive activity. Now, I've done a whole podcast wrapped around this topic of controlling your day, so I encourage you to go back and listen to it in detail. But what you want to try to move to is about 80% proactive and 20% reactive. Most people I talk to are a much higher percentage of reactive activity in their day and not enough proactive. And the reason I make this a key element of taking inventory, because you're not going to be able to be positioned. You're not going to be able to change if, if the world is controlling you rather than you controlling it. If you can start to shift that reactive time into proactive. Now, three sources of proactive, reactive activity that you can start to have more control over. One is your client, two is your team, and three is your family. So as you think about your clients, if you can move to more of a proactive position with them, i.e. have all your active clients Monday morning communicate in some fashion to them, set up appointments, set up meetings, set up ways that you're going to talk to them during the week, you're going to shift some of that from reactive to, to proactive. Similarly, when it comes to your team members that you get constant interruptions throughout the day, what you want to start to do is you want to start to change that pattern. Rather than dropping everything and addressing their question and issue, what you want to do is you want to set a time a little bit later that day to address their, their issues. Just by saying, no, I can't have you control me, you're going to start to see that shift. Now, there are fires you're going to have to address. So this is not about you avoiding those fires. However, you're going to find of those 10 different interruptions, three or four of those, they're going to say, fine, let's talk about it at 1 o'clock rather than 11 when they interrupt you. Three or four of them, uh, they're going to just vaporize because they didn't really need you that much anyway. And then three or four of them, they're going to go solve it on their own. And as a result of that, you're going to find, I think, uh, uh, a dramatic improvement of reduction of the reactive time. Now, another area that I encourage, and this really gets into some of my book about controlling your day and the time mastery system, is trying to understand yourself better. Now, I know most of you don't have the luxury that you can do things when you want to do it, where you want to do it, and whatever you want to do. However, you can start to see some shifts to that. So what I do, and I highlight this in my book as well, is I create a little matrix. And in that matrix, I look at different types, times of the day, from early morning to mid-morning to midday to late in the day to into the evening. Then I jot down for each one of those, you know, what, what's kind of my mindset? What's my rhythm? What's my cadence in that part of the day? Then I try to match activities that I do on a typical basis in that period of time. And then I also look at what is the best way or where do I want to accomplish those? You know, some of the activities that you do, you need quiet, you need privacy, you need to literally go off and find a quiet place to do it. In others, it really doesn't matter. You can be in more of a group setting or a little bit more of a louder, or you could even be more mobile in doing some of those activities. So by understanding and actually creating a chart, you can start to design your day, your week, your month, more so than just react to it. 
Another important, I think, element as you think about your, your uh, taking inventory is take some inventory when it comes to your time. Now, as I coach and work with individual leaders and different type of people, what I try to do is have them break down a typical day or a typical week in terms of five to seven different categories of time. Now, it might vary a little bit, but if you do that, it could be, for example, you list these different activities that you do, uh, categories of activity, then you address the amount of time and then the percentage, and then you pull out a blank canvas, so to speak, and say, you know, what would be ideal? Now, I did this exercise with a Top Gun salesperson, sales owner of a company, and we actually determined in those seven activities that were typical in his week that one was sales appointments, two was marketing, three was actually training or training of uh, activities he did himself, four was project work, uh, internal meetings was five, site visits was six, and then administrative. So if you think about those seven activities, now in this case, we then took some time to try to figure out on average the amount of hours in each one. And what we realized that he was actually spending not enough time on the sales. So what we did was we said, okay, what would be ideal? And he said, let me get one more sales appointment a week. So we added an extra two to three hours. Now, to get the one more sales appointment, he needed to spend a little bit more time in marketing, about another hour a week. Now, to get that, he needed to also spend a little bit more time, 30 minutes or an hour a week more, on training and listening, for example, to different training tapes and trying to improve his skills to not only market but sell. Now, how was he going to get some time back? Because I'm not an advocate of just adding more and more time and making your weeks excessively long. He carved out activities by squeezing down some of his internal meetings. You know, rather than have an hour meeting, he made them 40-minute meetings. He also was able to find some different processes and systems in some of the administrative things that he was able to do. So he actually got a dividend of all that time back in what he was trying to accomplish. So as a result of this, his sales increased about 25, 30%. Uh, his close rate increased in, in the course of it because he was better trained and had better quality leads. And as a result, he just was much more happy and, and, and less stressed in the process. So again, important thing to try to do and accomplish. Now, I want to kind of wrap up with a few more kind of specific things in, in the course of this, uh, and that is, you know, do you have a good time mastery system, a good way that you plan your day? You know, by having, I think, a planning system, which I write about in my, my Control Your Day book, you know, you're going to see dividends of time come back to you in 2019 that are much greater. So whether it's my time mastery system or someone else's, I would encourage you to have a system, not a to-do list, a system. Now, as you're figuring out your system, you're also going to be looking at the right pace of growth for 2019. As I said earlier, depending on what your motivations are, you know, the pace of growth is going to vary depending on, you know, what you really care about. Now, years ago, I started to think about this subject. What is the right pace of growth in many, many businesses out there? 
And I really outlined and really started to watch and study different businesses. And this is what I found. A 0 to 5% growth rate in normalized times, you're actually maybe slipping. Not necessarily slipping in terms of profitability, but you're going to find maybe team members get a little bit disillusioned and bored. A 5 to 10% is okay, and you probably see a good, solid, profitable return. However, you know, you're, you're going to ask yourself, you know, are you really growing at the level that you should be? A 10 to 20% growth to me is where the sweet spot is. That's what I would consider aggressive but realistic. It's strong. It's healthy. You ought to be able to see the bottom line inch up with the top line, and that's really good. Once you get above 20%, say 20 to 30, which is very doable for really well-oiled businesses, but that is what I would consider very aggressive growth. And then above 30, it's not only very aggressive, but it also becomes very risky. And many, many businesses, they will see the profit actually slip when you get above 30%. So again, as I said before, the sweet spot when it comes to positioning and growing in 2019, if you really take some analysis, what I find with many, many businesses out there, it's somewhere in that 12 to 18% growth level. It's somewhere in that range of growth I think you're going to be successful. So I want to close, and again, I want to thank everybody for listening to this particular podcast. A little bit longer than many of the things that we've done in the past, but I do think it's very important that you take the time to really position yourself for next year. I know with this podcast series, I'm also taking my own advice with that. Coming up in the coming episodes, we're going to be having interviews of thought leaders, on this. We're going to bring in leaders like Erica Taylor on a director of content from Professional Remodeler talking about trends and some of the things that she's seeing out there in the marketplace. So we're very excited about uh, the balance of this year and having a good final quick kick, but we're also excited about positioning and really becoming part of your routine. And I encourage you, if you do like this podcast, do reach out to my friends at Surefire because they're really there to try to help you, as I said earlier, kind of take some of the mystery out of this whole digital marketing arena that you're up against. And I think by doing that, uh, you're not only going to be better, but you're going to also be able to have access to really good insights and information. So thank you for listening and take care, everyone. Thank you, Mark. You just listened to episode 110 of Remodeling Mastery. I hope you were able to take away some actionable items that you can use towards your business. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery to stay up to date on new episodes. Thanks again, and we hope you listen in next time.